Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mark Molina, CEO of Molina Leadership Solutions. Uh, thank you for joining us this afternoon, this beautiful sunny Sunday afternoon here in Oregon. It's uh, really beautiful weather out. We have a privilege today to speak with one of our current candidates, Anthony Reed, for the Springfield School, School Board position number three. But before we get to Anthony, I need to thank our sponsor for today. That is the Molina Law Group. If you're looking for anyone who has immigration needs, such as student visa, uh, fiance visa, <clears throat> residency status, citizenship status, Molina Law Group is a locally owned and operated immigration law firm located right here in Springfield, Oregon. They, Molina Law Group can be found on Facebook, on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. This summer, they will be opening offices in Beaverton, Oregon, and their phone number is 541 653-8899. And I'm going to begin by reading Anthony's bio. And I'm going to read you the bio just as he wrote it. My name is Anthony Reed, and I am 34 years old. I have two sons, two stepsons, and one stepdaughter. I am a union car carpenter by trade. I am heavily involved in my union. I am a job steward and a delegate to the Pacific Northwest Regional Council of Carpenters. Besides my work in commercial construction, I also work with Allies LLC. If you haven't heard of Allies, they are, they are amazing. They provide support services for adults with intellectual development disabilities. It gives me the opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one with some amazing people. Last year in my community, there was a Black Unity March and the outcome of that march drove me into action. I started a group called Thurston for Anti-Racism. We now have over 100 members. Continuing, me, continuing, I drive for change in our community and I decided to run for the school board. I want to see equity in education, accessibility to the decision-making process for all stakeholders, and improved access to apprenticeships for our graduates. Anthony, thank you for joining Molina Law Group. Thank you for the opportunity for all of us, uh, Molina Leadership Solutions, excuse me, uh, thank you for allowing us as a community to get to know you a little bit better. You are a candidate for the Springfield School Board position three. First of all, how are you doing today? Excellent, excellent. How are you? I'm doing very well. <clears throat> now, are you originally from here? No, I was born and raised in Oak Ridge, Oregon, uh, not too far from here, about 40 minutes east. And how long have you been in the Springfield Oh, I've lived in the Springfield area for about the last 15 years, and I've lived out in Thurston for the last 10. It's a big difference from Oak Ridge, isn't it? Yeah, not as much as you think, but yeah, it is. I uh, I miss the the nature and the scenery up in Oak Ridge, but I uh, appreciate being close to close to everything down here in town. I guess I was just thinking it's probably closer to just trying to be funny. I guess kind of closer to big city living. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about, um, you have two, two sons, two stepsons, and one stepdaughter. How old are your children? Yeah, so my boys are 13 and 14. And then uh, we have um, my partner's kids ranging from 21 all the way up to almost 30 now, I guess, or up to 30. So we've got the whole gambit. <laughs> uh, that's good. Now, um, you are a union carpenter. That, how long have you been in the union carpenter trade? 
Yeah. So I've been in the union for about six years. Um, I went through the apprenticeship program. So that's part of part of my platform and what I one thing that I really uh, am passionate about. Uh, the apprenticeship program is, is great uh, through our union and has given me an opportunity to have a quality of life that um, that I wasn't sure, you know, that I was ever going to achieve. I come from a small town. I worked in the mills for a while around here. And uh, when given the opportunity to get into the union, it really opened a lot of doors for me. And so I'd like to see see that opportunity passed on to our our youth and the next the next generation. Um, but since I've been in, actually, the day I graduated, my apprenticeship was the first um, regional council meeting that I got to go to as an elected delegate. So that was a really special day for me. I left the apprenticeship um, training center and went straight up to Vancouver, Washington to my first delegate meeting. And, um, and it's just been a great experience. Tell us a little bit about, I would agree with you. I grew up in a in an age where apprenticeships in the local high school were huge. Wood, uh, carpentry, auto mechanics, uh, job placements. Uh, you know, I, I graduated high school in 1982, so I'm a little bit older, I'm 56 now. But uh, there was such an emphasis on functional ability for people to gain meaningful employment. And back then, the high school diploma in and of itself was a major achievement and a major accomplishment. How did, how did you get interested, and we'll get to the school board stuff in a moment, but this is, I want to help tell your story a little bit. How did you get interested in the union, uh, the apprenticeship program, and what was that like for you getting in? What did you need to get it started? Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways to get into the apprenticeship. Um, the way I did it was they have a ranked interview. So they actually have you come and you learn about the union, about the apprenticeship. And if you like what you hear, then you have the opportunity to interview with local contractors and some of the members of the union. And then they rank you on a scale of one to 100. And then you go on a list. And as they, um, as they need apprentices, then they pull people off that list. And, um, and it's not quite that simple. There's also direct entry. So we have helmets to hard hats, which means if you're a veteran, you can get directly into the union, which is great. Uh, Job Corps, you can get into the union through Job Corps. And um, I, the way I went in through the ranked interview, I scored 100 on my interview, and I still had to wait six months before they pulled us in because um, our union won't pull in more apprentices than we have worked for. So as the as the need comes up for more apprentices, then they pull them off the list, and that's uh, and that's how you can get in. Well, that's really good information because that's something most of us that are not involved with any unions probably know, and that there is a process, there is a waiting uh, potentially. There's a waiting period because you said helmets to hard hats if you're a veteran you get in right away if you get through the ranked interview process significantly you don't even need the ranked interview with the direct entry for the for the helmets to hard hats we'll bring veterans directly into our union which i think is a great program no as a veteran myself i really appreciated appreciate that if i would have known that when i got out of the army in 95 i probably would have considered that as an option uh and tell us a little bit about how you're tied into the job corps yeah, so uh, Job Corps, same thing. You can go through programs through the Job Corps and get into and learn about uh, learn about the trades and kind of get a basic a basic understanding and then come in through direct entry the same way into the union, which is and I'll kind of tie this into is a great opportunity to talk about um, one of the things I want to do as a school board member is to kind of build a pre-apprenticeship program in our high schools. So over your junior and senior year, you would learn um, some of the skills, you could master skills and learn the industry standards. And then 
gain direct entry into the union by by completing those programs. And so what I my hope would be to bring those students in, those graduates in as say a third term apprentice instead of a brand new first term apprentice. And um, what that means is uh, every every term apprentice, as you go along, you get paid a little bit more, a certain percentage of a journeyman wage. And as you as you progress, you get paid more. And so coming as a third term, you'll come in with with a better pay rate. You're going to come in already having some understanding. You're not going to come in as green and you're going to have a career waiting for you when you graduate. So um, that's something I would like I would definitely like to see implemented into our school systems for the students that aren't necessarily on a college career prep path. You know, so well, uh, you probably don't know this because you and I haven't talked. This is the first time we met, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that uh, are seeing this right now, we'll see this later. I'm a I'm a board member for the Springfield Area Chamber of Commerce. And so our work ready initiative and our work ready programs are really geared towards apprenticeships, training, creating more opportunities for for uh, young adults graduating high school who aren't college bound uh, to get into the trade, to create meaningful employment, gainful employment and successful employment op opportunities right as they graduate from high school. And so I want to make sure I understand what you said, Anthony, you are, I want to make sure it's clear you you said uh build a pre-apprentice program that you meet the criteria so that they can get into the union immediately upon graduation yeah yeah that's that and that's it would work as a so the pre-apprentice program would be it would connect directly with apprenticeship pathways which are just um is an apprenticeship program so you're going to finish classes you'll learn you'll learn about the trades and then uh, once you pass those classes and you graduate then you'll have direct entry just like the helmet star that you come right into the union and you can seek work immediately as a third term apprentice so as a third term apprentice that means so, so excuse me if i sound ignorant but this is this is new to me so i want to make sure it's clear all right so a third term apprentice their third year into the program post high school? No, so a, third, a term would be six, typically six months. And so during your six months, I'll just break this down. I guess I, I kind of took for granted that I, you know, everybody knows. But so for, uh, you have eight terms of your apprenticeship, which is four years. Each term is about six months. And during those six months, you take two classes. So uh, we have training centers in Tangent and in Portland and you'll get scheduled for a class. Um, we don't, if you come into the apprenticeship as a first term apprentice or when you first start, we don't schedule classes for the first six months so that you can get out, get to work, start building a savings account. And cause you're gonna have to take a week off for your classes. So two times during each six months, you'll be scheduled for a 40 hour class, which is four 10 hour days. And, um, and during that week, typically what people do is you're off work. So you're typically, uh, you're temporarily unemployed. So you can take unemployment during that week. So you're not losing, losing wages and you're getting paid to go to school. So you're going to come out of school, having mastered skills and learn the industry standards without accruing any college debt. And that's kind of the goal there. So you're actually getting paid. I have a, um, it's accredited through Mount Hood Community College. So you're actually gaining community college credits for every class that you pass and, and work your way up through the apprenticeship. And you can finish your apprenticeship with an associate's degree from Mount Hood Community College if you do a couple of extra classes that include a writing class and, uh, and there's another uh, communications class, I believe, that you would have to take to get that as associate's degree. 
That, that's really incredible. I want to make sure that this is very, very clear for the viewers. Pre-apprenticeship program qualifies them upon graduation from high school, immediate placement into the apprenticeship program. In their third year, they can begin to look for work. And then when they're done with the eight terms or four years, the apprenticeship program, with a couple of extra classes, they will, they will have graduated not only successfully from the apprenticeship program, but with an associate's degree from Mount Hood Community College. That's correct. And this and at this stage, this is just, you know, this is my plan, but it's not just a plan. I have uh, I've built connections. I have uh, um, friends with Val Hoyle and she is very interested and excited about working with this. I actually talked to her this morning and she gave me some really interesting news that uh, Bowley is actually working to expand apprenticeships outside of the building and construction trades. Um, and that's something I think Springfield needs to be a leader in the state on building those programs. We're talking about things like uh, the healthcare field, surgical techs, medical assistance, technology field jobs like AP design, logistics. Uh, there's there's a bunch of other stuff they're working on, but it's uh, and maybe you've heard of this. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure if, if you have or not, but like I said, Bully wants to expand that. So apprenticeships aren't just for the building trades anymore. We're talking about getting kids into or students, young adults into these apprenticeships so they can have um, lucrative careers without ever accruing any college debt. Now, I have the answers to the questions that I'm about to ask you, but for those that are listening to this interview that don't know you, it's important that you, if you're asking them for their vote for the school board, that you have the answers to the two questions I'm about to ask you. Number one, what is bowling? So that's the Bureau of Labor and Industry. Um, and so Bully oversees um, a lot of the, the laws and things that are that are associated with the work that we do. So there's some bad actors out there. Bully will hold them accountable for the for the stuff that they do. And um, and I I didn't even know until like I said this morning talking to Val about that uh, the exciting stuff that they're doing with trying to expand those apprenticeships, which is even better news for the stuff that I'm trying to do because I was just trying to make sure that that the students in our area had an opportunity to get into the building trades. I'm talking about uh, plumbers unions, electricians unions, uh, carpenters unions. But now hearing about other, you know, if you don't necessarily want to go that route, there's healthcare fields and technology fields that hopefully soon will have uh, also similar apprenticeships. So very exciting stuff. Yes, very good. That is very, very exciting, especially for the current and future uh, employees that people are going to need that are skilled and qualified and ready to go to work. My second question is for those that are listening and don't know you and don't know Val, who is Val Hoyle and why are you mentioning her? Yeah, so uh, Val Hoyle is Oregon's labor commissioner and I'm mentioning her because she is a, a great friend of the, the labor unions and um, and she's very passionate about making sure that the labor unions stay strong and that, uh, that we are... Um, we are supported. And, and she doesn't just say that. Uh, when I say Val Hoyle supports labor, I, I mean it. I reached out to her and I didn't know her from anybody. And I told her what I was doing, where I came from and what local I was a part of. And she was immediately on board. And uh, she was my first endorsement. And it's been a great resource. Every time I reach out, she's, a, she's quick to get back to me and help me out. And uh, I mean, she supports, she supports what she says she supports uh, 110%. Uh, no bull. And I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's been a great experience getting to know her. Well, I agree with you that apprenticeship programs 
are the wave of the future. They need to be solidified and supported both by industry as well as, in my estimation, state and local government uh, organizations. And I ask you those two questions because school board position three is an elected position and school board members have direct influence and direct impact over not just the fiduciary responsibilities of the district, not just hiring the superintendent, as some might think that is a primary role, but actually bringing positive power and effect of change to the educational system and the educational process uh, to the local school district, and specifically Springfield at this time. Now, have you met the CEO of LCC and spoken with her about some of your uh, aspirations and how you might be able to work with her to tie in some of these uh, uh, potential apprenticeship programs so, so that they're very successful? I have not met with her yet, but I will def I would definitely like to. <laughs> that's, uh, um, if, if elected, that's definitely one thing that I'll do is build a strong team. You know, I've already got Val Hoyle is, uh, is a huge supporter of that. Um, I talked to Joe Bernie yesterday. I don't know if uh, Lane County Commissioner Joe Bernie, he's a big supporter of labor and also a fan of the pre-apprenticeship programs in schools. Um, and, I, and basically anybody that's willing to get on board. Um, I know that my union and and I'm a little foggy on all this because I wasn't directly involved, but from what I understand is that the Carpenters Union has put together a, um, a curriculum already, you know, through our, through our, um, through our union it already has a curriculum in place that we've offered to high schools, uh, that, it, that will lead is basically that is the pre-apprenticeship program. So I'm not start from scratch. We've got something uh, in the wings waiting to go. And I would just like to see it implemented district wide and, and eventually statewide, countrywide, however, however we need to do it to make sure that our, that our students are coming out of school, ready to get to work and not just looking for any job, but having a, a career path and, and being well-prepared for that, for success. Uh, the, the Dean for L LCC, do you know who that is? No, but I'm, I've got my notes right here. I'm ready to take down a name. Well, that's, it's Mar Mar Margaret Hamilton, and I'll send you her email uh, later on today and connect you to via email. And for those that are listening, Joe Bernie is the Lane County Commissioner specifically to Springfield, Oregon. All right, very good. I'm, I'm really excited about all the things that you're saying here today, Anthony. This is, this is good news. This is good news for our community. This is good news for the future of our community. This is good news for the youth of our community that need ways to get back or to, to build a future here, to be able to afford to buy homes here, to be able to buy cars here, to be able to build families and plant roots here, here in Springfield, here in Lane County, here in this area, so all of our youth don't keep moving away because they can't find work. And so I'm excited for the ideas you're presenting here today. Um, uh, as being a member of the board of directors for the Springfield Area Chamber of Commerce, I'll reach out to them as well to make sure they have your information because this is a big, big deal. Uh, and the Springfield Area Chamber of Commerce uh, has done a lot of direct work and has a lot of direct impact along working with LCC already in these particular areas. And I believe they'd be very excited to hear uh, the present part of this presentation from you. Yeah, I want to add something to that. Um, so, so the unions are a great way for for people to have a, a 
career and have uh, have a way to sustain and, and provide for their families. But we're constantly under attack. So this is not just for it's twofold. One, it's going to help support our unions and build a workforce for the future. Uh, baby boomers are retiring at a rapid rate. And what that means is that we're we're retiring more journeymen than apprentices we're bringing in. It's not sustainable to keep the unions going and keep us strong. So we need well-qualified youth coming up in the ranks. And the great news for the youth is the baby boomers are retiring. So you've got a vacuum at the top. So you've got a level of upward mobility uh, un, unmatched in history. So right now you've got opportunities to climb the ranks faster than ever, which I think is exciting for everyone. I'm uh, at 34. It's exciting for me. I'm, I'm part of that the group that's trying to climb those ranks, you know, and, uh, and I think is a, a high school graduate coming into the union right now, uh, your opportunity and uh, chance for success is endless. So I just wanted to add that and make sure that everybody that's out there is hearing, hearing that as well. Well, that, that's very good. Um, all right. What exactly does a job steward do for a union? Yeah. So a job steward is a, it's a volunteer position. It's just basically some, it's extra training that you get. So a job steward is knowledgeable of the contract. So we're, when you're in the union and you have union contractors, they're what they call signatory. They've signed a contract with the union and there's a set of rules they have to follow. And that's stuff that protects the workers. That's one of the beauties of being in a union is that you have um, a contract in place and you have representatives that are there to make sure that your rights are protected as a worker and that you get treated correctly. So as a job steward, um, the common guy that's working on the job site can say, hey, you know, uh, this something's happened to me. It looks like I was shorted my paycheck or, or, you know, they're asking me to do this and I don't feel safe. What's going on? And I can, I can tell them what's in the contract and tell them what their rights are. And if things get serious, I can call our rep and get a rep down on the job site immediately to, to work, work out whatever our issue is. But um, really it's just having somebody on the job site that um, can help, can help the workers with, uh, with their rights and make sure that everything's on the up and up. And what is the, the role of the Pacific Northwest Regional Council of Carpenters? Yeah, so we have the International Brotherhood of Carpenters, you know, a larger, our larger body, and then we're broken down into several regional areas. So the Pacific Northwest Regional Council is, uh, we have six states in the, in the Western region, and um, basically we get together quarterly and meet and discuss things such as budget, um, and whatever other business we have to handle. My favorite part of being a part of the Pacific Northwest Regional Council of Carpenters is um, is when we do our breakout rooms. So you have caucuses that you go to every time you show up. We'll go up there, we'll meet for the meeting, have kind of a, a big meeting. And in the mornings before we get to our big meeting, we break out into rooms. And in those rooms, uh, it's whether it be a concrete caucus, an apprenticeship caucus, whatever it is, Everyone from those six states gets to talk about all of the cool things that they're doing where they're from, and the rest of us get to steal their good ideas and go back and make them our own and make our make our local better for it. And um, and I think that's great. And and that's one thing I want to do as a board member, as a school board member, is there's a lot of school boards around the country that are doing amazing progressive things that are that are pushing students further into it being successful. And instead of reinventing the wheel we can research those and, and steal those ideas for, for Springfield, you know, to make Springfield better. I say stealing, it sounds negative, but you know what I mean. We're, 
we're finding we're finding the stuff that's already tried and true and proven and then using our resources to make that happen so that we know we're getting the most bang for our buck well much of what anyone does these days are from ideas garnered or gathered from other individuals or organizations so it's uh creative borrowing that sounds way better than stealing i'm going to use that i'm going to steal that <laughs> everyone tweaks things a little bit to fit their own uh you know, industry or whatever the work might be. So th that's good. All right. So it sounds like you have some legitimate, well-established governmental experience already in the role that you're playing as a job steward for your local union and the work that that allows you to do by speaking to other union shops all over the country, understanding budgets, understanding contracts, these things are invaluable to someone who's already asking to come to be elect into into an elected position. Um, what's the what is the budget of your local union shop, if that's the correct question? And what's the budget look like, if you know, for the Pacific Northwest Regional Council of Carpenters? Well, I'm not at liberty to speak about either of those things outside of our meetings. So that's actually okay. not, not a question I can answer for you at this time. But um, large and larger would be is, is so that it's a substantial amount if that's what you're trying to ask is is what my experience and, and with and whether it's um, you know at what level but the, at the regional level it's a substantial amount and the decisions affect um, millions of, of, of workers and and uh, billions of work hours and it's and people's livelihoods so it's uh, it's not nothing to be taken lightly. Yeah, so just so you know, for those that are listening, especially if some of your union brothers and sisters follow up and some of your leaders, I'm not asking you that question to ask you to reveal trade secrets or privileged information. You know, I'm an elected official for the Springfield Utility Board, and so I've been on the budget committee for the city of Springfield. I'm on several boards myself, and I'm just trying to establish what is the level of budgetary experience that you have so that the, the voters know. I mean, you know... Yeah. Uh, when I was on the budget committee at that time for the city, it's been 10 years. Our city budget at that time was $325 million. So that's the kind of question I was just, I was asking. I wasn't trying to get into uh, your specifics, just for your <laughs> family to know. Yeah, no worries, no worries. It's in that ballpark though. Okay. All right, well, tell us a little bit about Allies LLC. Who, who are they and what's the breadth of their work? Well, okay, I'll tell you this. This will also come with a little bit of my background. So when uh, when my daughter Savannah was graduating, um, we were looking for what what for what her next step was. So she has Down syndrome, and she went through the life skills program at Thurston. And after graduating, um, we were looking for what the next step was going to be for her. And there was, uh, without calling out anyone in particular, there were some options in in Springfield that we considered and looked at that we just weren't weren't excited about it. Didn't, it didn't thrill us to send her there. Um, Allies at the time was a, a fledgling group that had just kind of just getting started. And it was a group of people from um, several different organizations that work with um, adults with developmental disabilities. Um, and they kind of took the best parts of all the programs and made their own. And I can't speak highly enough about who they are and what they do and this, the kind of people that they are, because um, it is definitely, to say it impacted our life in a positive way would be a, a, a gross understatement. Um, so they'll get together and to put it in 
in a, in a term in ways that everybody can understand. So you have a personal service worker that will work one-on-one -on -one with, uh, with an adult with developmental disabilities. Now, they will have those workers then get together and do events like bowling, cooking classes, um, all, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. They go to the pool. Um, of course, during COVID, there's a lot of Zoom meetings. So we've done a lot of cooking on Zoom in our own kitchen, which has been kind of fun. Um, but as a union carpenter, there's times where, you know, we work ourselves out of a job. So I work, I, that we finish the building and then maybe the next job isn't going to start for a little while. And so I get an opportunity to go and work at Allies and I work with, um, work with some of these adults that are, it's just, it's one of the best, best parts of, of what I do is I get to spend some time with some amazing people. Um, we get to do things not just through Allies, but with, with our daughter, get to volunteer for Special Olympics and, uh, and when that was still a thing, when the budget was still, they still had a budget for the actual Special Olympics in Oregon, which I hope will be coming back soon. But um, yeah, that's a little bit about allies and, and, uh, and they're great. So if there's anybody out there that has an adult in their life with developmental disabilities that needs one-on-one um, -on -one, uh, personal service care with them, I highly recommend allies, highly recommend allies. And how old is your daughter now that participates in allies? So Savannah is now 26 and, um, and she loves it. I mean, she's just, even the zoom groups now that we're not doing in person, it's not as good, but they do a great job of making it fun. So like I said, she'll get to do a cooking class online with zoom. They have a virtual talent show. So she gets to do her talent show practices over zoom and, uh, and here soon now that everybody's getting vaccinated, they're going to be back to doing some in-person stuff. And we look forward to that a lot. So you said something that piqued my interest. Uh, I know we're we're still in COVID, but prior to that or post COVID, Special Olympics isn't funded anymore. So okay, so and I and I don't have all the details on, on the specifics, but what happened was um, the folks that were in charge of managing the budget for Special Olympics. I, I, it sounds like they were running out of deficit for some time. And then the, the person that came in to take over said, okay, we're going to put this, put the actual Special Olympics event, the track and field Special Olympics uh, statewide. It was happening up in the Portland area for a while, but um, Lake Oswego, but um, they just said, we're going to put it on hold until we can get the, get our money right. And so that we've, we've missed out on those opportunities. We actually uh, locally, uh, in the Springfield Eugene area, we did a we did our own kind of small Special Olympics at a high school, and and so that our athletes could still have a chance to participate. But it was it's not the same, not the same pomp and circumstance, and and kind of fun stuff that we get to do at the state level. But now I just remember uh, fifteen or so years ago how popular Special Olympics was, how active they were, and the types of events that they managed and led and the impact it had in the community. So I was just shocked to hear to hear that. Let's talk yeah. about let's talk Anthony a little bit about um, your group Thurston for anti-racism and what you have if you if you're elected you're coming out of the school board. I'm an elected official on sub. I'm part of Team Springfield. School board's part of Team Springfield. Or sub, excuse me. Sub is part of Team Springfield. School board's part of Team Springfield. Well, I'm Elaine. I'm also on their budget committee. They're part of Team Springfield. And the city of Springfield is part of Team Springfield. And, you know, obviously we've had a lot of issues locally. The 
uh, Springfield Police Department has some significant lawsuits. We obviously have some kind of culture problem going on over there right now. Uh, looks like we have some potential leadership issues that are going to have to be addressed by our mayor and city councilors and our city manager. What what is your what are your thoughts and what is your concern creating Thurston for anti-racism? Because SPD also has the CSOs, I believe they're called, the school resource officers, I believe that's correct, or CRO, something like that, in the high school. What are your thoughts and positions on, on what is happening right now in those areas with our police department? Well, that's a lot to unpack, but I will, I will do my best. Um, so the best way I can probably explain this is just to kind of give you a little background and explain explain where I'm coming from. So last summer, um, the Black Unity March that happened in Thurston, that's just a stone's throw from my home. And uh, we've been kind of following things through. They have There were several live streamers that were showing different events that were happening um, with everything that was happening in Portland and the things that were happening in Eugene and then, and then in Springfield as well. Um, so we were sitting in our living room watching the Black Unity March live streamed on our TV with our children. And we watched as they progressed through the neighborhood. And then when they came to the blockade, um, then we watched how the interaction went down between the police officers and the protesters. Um, and if that, for those that don't know, it was terrible. Um, it was it was horrific to watch. but. The part that worried me even more was then they were forced back to where they'd started the um, started their march by two different police barricades that then funneled them back to where they were. And when they got back to their cars, they were met with counter protesters. And so there's and when I say counter protesters, um, they were. I'm not sure if they were affiliated with any particular group, but um, but looked like some proud boy type type folks that were waiting for them. The police did not follow them back to where they were being waited for. They didn't go escort them back to go out. Um, instead, actually, we found out later that they had informed people where they were sending the protesters back to through a video that some gal had released on her Facebook where she walked up and asked the police officer, hey, where are you sending them? And he told her right where they were sending them and didn't they didn't escort them back there. And when they got back there, they were met and beat with flagpoles, kicked, yelled at, whatever, the, the men were armed. And so it took a long time for the protesters to finally get out of our neighborhood. Um, the police eventually did show up, but not after, not until after there was a, a woman that was hospitalized. Um, and, and eventually it did disperse. But everything that I witnessed was things that I'd been witnessing in, in other places around the country, but not, not in my backyard. Um, not that that should make that much of a difference, but it was the impact was was very tangible, and and that was what drove me to start as you asked to start the group Thurston for anti racism, which initially was was really my my journey into anti racism through books uh, like Ibram X Kendi's books. Uh, I've got some books here behind me, you know, that, I, that I've gone through. And, and as I read and as I learned, uh, White Fragility, Samiju Alomu, uh, there was several different authors and books that we, I would just kind of have a, just have a discussion with the members of our group and say, and have them follow along and, and tell me where they were at in their journey for learning about the history of racism in America and how it affects our community. And, um, and, and then it just kind of, 
just kept it kind of snowballed into a, a bigger group and so it gave us a chance to have a safe place to discuss discuss what was going on in our community and what we were going to do about it and uh you know and how we how we could really take and take a look a hard look at ourselves and at our uh, at the area we live in and how we're going to make it better that was a hard hard summer for everyone across the nation hard for our community um what are your thoughts on having the school resource officer? Do you think they're still beneficial? Do you still think they're still needful? So um, my thoughts on the school resource officer or the SROs uh, was is that, unfortunately, I think that there is a need for some kind of, of protection of our students with, with the, um, you know, just with the current climate of, of mass shootings and other things that happen. I have people, parents want their kids to feel safe in the schools. I want my kids I have 13 and 14 year old sons that are in the schools right now. Um, my oldest son will be going to a school where there was a school shooting um, out here in Thurston. And so I do think that there is some kind of need for protection. Do I believe that there needs to be a uniformed armed officer in the school? No, I don't. I think that that is, um, is not, it doesn't affect everyone equally. I think that there are some negative effects for members of our, our schools. Um, I think it makes it harder for kids that that don't believe that police officers are there to serve or protect them. It makes it harder for them to feel comfortable and learn in school. So I don't see why we couldn't have um, someone in the schools in plain clothes, someone dressed like the teachers that's there to keep an eye on things and make sure that, you know, make sure the kids are safe. Or maybe if they needed an armed officer, that there's someone close, close by the schools. They don't necessarily need to be roaming the halls. Um, so I do think that there needs to be some, some way to protect our children, but do I think there needs to be an armed officer in the school? No. So does that mean to you, and I'm just, I have no preconceived thoughts myself on this because there's just so many legalities or questions. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I know I have a, a daughter in school who's eight years old. I'm worried about it. There's, she goes to Mountain View Academy in Lowell. They had a lockdown once already this year because a student tried to come in angry and they had to lock the school down and and I'm worried about these things too. I was here where the Kip, Kip Kinkle shooting happened and um, you know I does that mean to you uh, when you say plain clothes someone who's a, a law enforcement agent but in plain clothes because I'm assuming I ask you that question because I'm assuming whoever that security person might be man or woman that they'd have to have, uh, they had to be trained in restraint, powers of arrest, you know, things of that nature. I, I don't know. These are just the thoughts of my thoughts as we're talking. Yeah, and and I I have thought about it, but you're right. I mean, it's something that you're going to have to take um, and do some do a lot of research into, and you know, it's something as a school board, you've got a team of people who are there to to share their backgrounds and ideas and to uh and to really weed out what's going to be the best the best solution um i don't necessarily know that it needs to be a, a you know an off-duty police officer or an uh you know an out of um i just mean plain clothes and i don't i don't think they need to be uniformed i think that still carries with it a stigma for for some of our students so someone that looks like a teacher and you give them a name uh, whatever it is behavior specialist or or whatever um that that's it's their job just to be at the school and kind of uh you know, and, and keep the peace and, you know, and, and keep an eye on things and make sure everybody's safe. And um, of course, I would hope they were more trained to deal with active shooter situations or anything else that that could come up. 
but uh, it would be something I would really like to do a lot more um, research into and learn a lot more about uh, different programs they have. I know I recently heard in uh, the mayor of Ithaca, New York, was talking about how they're re um, they're rebuilding their police force there by addressing the 911 calls and when it is necessary to send an armed officer and when it's not, you know, so they have problem solvers that can go out. If, if somebody blows a tire and they're stuck in the middle of the road, do you need to send an armed officer? No, you know, you can just send one of these problem solvers out to get to deal with it. And I, um, and so when I hear people talk about defund the police, I think it really could mean more of like, let's just reorganize, you know, let's reorganize how we're, how we're using the money. Every, everybody has a budget and you can do uh, whatever you want with that budget. So why can't we take some of it and, and get people that are better trained? Um, I don't know if you heard, but recently the first husband of the vice president was, uh, was down here in the area and he was looking at the cahoots program that we have in, in our area and looking to take that into something they can implement nationally which I think is great because when you have um, mental health issues, you know, that an armed officer that's trained to, um, you know, trained to deal with, with criminals or whatever, you know, armed, armed people that responding to that situation is something that when asked and actually that uh, the mayor of Ithaca was saying, when asked in a anonymous um, on an anonymous forum, the police officers consistently said, we're being asked to do things we're not trained to do. You know, we're being asked to go beyond what we're comfortable with and situate and put us in situations that we're not prepared to respond to. So, well, I would agree. I mean, we'll move on from this point, but I, with my statement that I would agree, we ask police officers to do a lot of things they're not trained for, they're not experienced in, uh, and you know, I think we as communities have to accept a portion of that responsibility. And that we too have to retrain ourselves to, if we if we want the police force, any police force to be different, think different, act different, we have to be prepared to do the same so that we can all live and function together. All right, <clears throat> let's talk about your thoughts on what else are some of the areas on the school board that you would like to personally address or make a difference on? Yeah, so um, being new, um, being new to the school board and not having a lot of experience with the school board, I don't want to step on anything they're already doing, but some ideas that I have. And actually, I have been in contact with some members of the current school board, and it sounds like they're doing a great job at, at, with transparency, which is something that's important to me. So um, when it's appropriate, it sounds like our current um, school board live streams the meetings, which is great. That gives people an opportunity to jump in. Jump in. Um, Springfield student body is like, I want to say somewhere between 22-24% Hispanic. So what that means to me is that there's going to be some parents out there that maybe don't speak English. So maybe getting those live streams translated or having a translator at the meetings would be a great way to make sure that all the parents and all of the people that want to be involved have an opportunity to understand what's going on. Um, so What's important to me, and, I, and you read this in my bio, uh, but I'll bring it back up, is that there's input from all the stakeholders in the decision-making process. And so to me, what that means is that, is that all of the problems that, that each and every student have are, are, can be addressed if anybody wants to bring them up. You know, so anybody that wants to come to the table and say, hey, in our neighborhood, here's a huge problem, they need to be able to do that and we need to be able to listen. So I'd like to have, uh, and I, some ideas I have are just um, online polls, which unfortunately still leaves some people out because not everyone has the internet. 
but it would help kind of get a, a feel for what our district, what the members of our district and community members feel. So online polls and surveys um, are a great way to get a hard number for what percent is either in favor or against something that the board is then going to go and, and vote on. Um, I would just maybe maybe a newsletter or if there's something go out and print and just making sure that all the members of our community know what's going on and know how they can be heard if they if they feel the need to be. Do you know how the school board is doing right now in regards to the, the constraints of COVID? Uh, do they have any budgetary issues they need to be concerned about that they're facing? Uh, how, what do you know about the areas that they're having to work within right now because of COVID? Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, that's something I don't know a lot about. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to to be in on any of their executive meetings or um, really discuss that stuff with the current board. Um, it sounds to me, so uh, my, my partner is a teacher in the Bethel School District. And so I kind of get a, a, a little bit coming down of what's, what's going on. And it sounds like there's going to be some funding coming in through a few different, uh, few different streams. Some, and maybe you know as well, but um, it sounds like there's going to be some funding coming in through the government programs and then also um, through new industries, tax revenue from some of the new industries in Oregon. So through the um, specifically marijuana tax in Oregon, it sounds like that money's finally going to start coming into the schools. So I'm hoping that um, that's going to fix some of these budgetary issues that that we have. Of course, there hasn't been any overhead really to speak of for the last year in the schools, so that should help. Um, you know, as far as getting everybody back from COVID, it's going to be tough because uh, it we had a year of learning in a completely different way, and so everyone that comes back is going to be is is going to be playing catch up That's on some level whether it be uh mentally you know with your uh emotionally or however that's which i think is probably the biggest and most important aspects is just making sure that our kids mental health you know at this point i'm not on the school board now and i won't have anything to say about what happens this year but at this point in the school year i'm i'm a big proponent of throwing those state tests out the window and focusing on mental health for our kids you know if they're they're back in person um spend some time with with them and, and get them involved with each other and talking and and you know I'm, I've been blessed to have kids that are very close in age and my sons are best friends so they they've had that at home through this whole thing but a lot of kids haven't you know haven't had that that contact <clears throat> now this special election is in May correct May 18th May 18th and if you win the election when would you be sworn in ticket when will you take office so i believe that the the term ends june i want to say june 21st is when the current term ends so then i would it would be shortly after that and it's a it's a four-year term so while the election the election is on may 18th but uh springfield uh community members should be getting their ballots april 29th is when they're being mailed out so it's a very short, uh, short campaign as it's as soon as we've got from now until April 29th to get the word out for me to get out and kind of get some name recognition, let everybody know who I am, what I'm about. You know, this is I'm grateful to be here and in, in, in that cause. And um, and yeah, so from April 29th, everybody will have the opportunity to vote and it'll be a big push until until May 18th. On most school boards, I've noticed a trend where a great sense of prominence is given to those with maybe a master's and or a PhD. 
What are your thoughts about your educational journey through the apprenticeship program? How does that separate you from uh, someone else who, who has gone uh, through the university direction? How does that separate you specifically in this time uh, of COVID, the, the economic challenges we're gonna be facing, our city, school district, we're all gonna be facing it. How does that separate you, make you different and actually make you, make your candidacy stronger? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, when I first decided to run for school board, that's exactly what I looked at. I said, well, who's on the school board? You know, what is this, what are they made, what is it made up of? And you're right, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of the people on the school board have a PhD or, or something, you know, a doctor, something after their name. There's, there's letters that follow their names. So uh, it was slightly intimidating, but, um, but like I said, I bring something to the table that they don't. And that's, um, and that's my background with the apprenticeship and with the and within this in this industry and with the unions and um, and that it is very viable for students to come out of high school, have a career and never accrue any college debt, you know, which and that's a big thing right now. Uh, our president is talking about forgiving college debt. And that's not because it's really easy to pay off. That's not why they're talking about canceling it. You know, it's a. Uh, it is a handicap when you come out of out of college and a lot of times you come out of college with the degree with your big dreams and then the the money just doesn't 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 compute to make those those uh, those loans go away very soon and so when you are paying those student loans you're not necessarily maybe you're not buying a home or maybe you're not buying a, a reliable car or maybe you're not sending your kids to those those extra things that you would be doing so um, so I can I bring to the table personal experience in an alternate pathway, um, alternate to the, the college prep. I value uh, the college, the college course and that, and that pathway as well. We need all every, we need people of all backgrounds. Um, but there is a way to be very successful and not ever accrue any college debt. In fact, you can get paid while you're going through the school. And I just want to make sure that, that that doesn't get overlooked and that we don't focus too much on pushing kids that maybe necessarily don't want to go to college, you know, that um, one thing. So for instance, like the, the gateways high school uh, here in Springfield, I would like to see a big push for these kind of programs in that high school. Um, the graduation rates are terrible. Uh, there's if for kids, I'm trying to think of how to say this the correct way, but I want to make sure that kids that don't, ever have any intention of going to college I want them to feel like they have just as much opportunity at the life that they dream of as somebody who's going to go to college when I was growing up they would say if you don't go to college you're not you know you're not going to amount to anything and that's not true and I, I'm right here living proof that that's that's not true but I don't want those kids that are not getting not going to college or just have given up hope that 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 that's the way they need to go and it's not happening for them well guess what we've got something else for you that you're gonna you might just really love and that's gonna be just as lucrative as a college career path well i believe that the opportunity for education what you're talking about reminds me of what school was like when i was in high school and i graduated in 1982 and it was all these work ready programs these work ready initiatives these opportunities specifically instituted by the school district along with local employers to get people to go to work they could learn to read write spell do math knowing that most of those kids would not go on to college and that that it gave them an opportunity to uh, 
get some real life experience, real life training, real life exposure. And I remember all the kids that I went to high school that graduated four years of auto mechanics, four years of carpentry, and they were building homes and building cars. I'm not talking about repairing cars. I'm talking about building cars. And it was a completely different uh, era of time, but there wasn't the anxiety that you, the youth have today because people were leaving school knowing that, that there was an opportunity for them uh, to get work. And so the things that you're saying, I find invigorating because I know historically that it's true and that historically we can use these type of programs again to help uh, prepare people for employment and to prepare um, employers to receive good qualified employees. And so I, I think your work, I think uh, when I get you in contact with Marge Hamilton from uh, LCC, I think you'll be very pleased because that's her heart too. And that's the heart of the Springfield Area Chamber of Commerce, a work ready initiative. We know that this is a weak area in our community. We don't need everyone moving away because there's no work or moving away because there's no area for them to get trained or waiting for them to get trained uh, to find employment. What would you like to say to the voters? I mean, we've got about nine minutes left. What would you like to say to the voters, to the families, to those in this city? Uh, you know, you're a blue collar guy. And we, I think we have lost the value of a blue collar education, a blue collar, blue collar, so to speak, uh, blue collar success and the blue collar path. Why is, uh, what would you like to say to the voters about that? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, yeah, I am a blue collar worker, and I I don't I don't like the uh, the idea that blue collar means poor or that you're some dirty worker. You know, that's not true. That's uh, that's absolutely not true. I'm a professional. Um, I graduated from an apprenticeship. I spent four years learning, uh, learning, mastering my skills. You know, I spend every day learning on the job, and uh, and I take it very seriously um, as a commercial uh, carpenter. And that's possible for for anyone that wants to do it. I mean, the, the doors are open, and and if they're not, we're opening them even further. You know that, and that's what I want to do. So, to the voters and to the families out there, um, I'm you. <laughs> you know, I'm not uh, I'm not some elite. I'm not out there to try to push an agenda. I truly mean it when I say that I want all stakeholders involved. You know, I don't want to be the voice. I want to be an echo chamber for the voices out here in the, in our community and find out what they need and what they want. So what that means is when I get elected, I'll be visiting different schools, you know, all the schools and talking to the teachers and the, the principals at those schools, the students at those schools. Hey, well, what's your experience? Like what's going on? What do you guys need? You know, where's it, where's it great? Where is it not so great? What's, what's going on? Um, because I want to know, I want to know what our community needs, and I don't want to presume. I'm not. I'm not going to presume to know uh, what they need. And so, as a blue collar guy that's coming into this for my first time going into school board, I have no bad habits. You know, that's one thing we say when we bring somebody into the uh, onto a job. If they've never done the work, that's great. Uh, they haven't learned the wrong way to do it, and we can teach them the right way to do it. So I'm ready to to learn how to do things the right way. And that's only going to happen through through a lot of research, staying up to date on what the best practices are, what all the great school boards across our country are doing. Uh, of course, I'll lean on the expertise of the school board that is currently in place, you know, of the people that are already there. I definitely am going to need to learn, you know, what, how to make things happen, you know, how to make how to make these these dreams come true. 
And so um, just for everyone out there that's listening and anyone that's, that's uh, looking for someone to vote for that that's going to make a change that affects them, that's, that's what I want to be. So I want um, equity in education. And what that means is that it's, it's different than equal education. Uh, equity in education for me is, is making sure everybody gets what they need to get where they need to be, not giving everyone the same thing. So, um, you know, there's a lot of students out there who don't have good internet, who don't have, um, maybe their parents work two jobs. They don't have parents at home to help them with homework. So um, until high school, I don't see any, I think having no homework, it makes sense. It makes education more equitable for everyone. Um, part of equity is just, like I said, when it comes time for budgeting and allocating funds, we're making sure that the kids that, that need it most are getting the most help. And so there's kids out there that learn differently and they need it. They need more help. If that means hiring an extra, uh, a specialist for that school to make sure those kids are getting caught up or getting where they need to be, then that's what that means. But, um, so I'll just hammer them home one last time. That's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's making sure everybody has a seat at the table. So every, every voices from all the stakeholders equity and education, uh, looking at everything that we do through a social justice lens. You know, we're, at a, we're in a state of unrest in this country right now, and there's a lot of good reason for it. Um, and Springfield can be a leader in changing those things if we want to be. One of the things that the school district does well now is I live off of uh, 57th and Mount Vernon, and in those particular areas, they have school buses that are set up to be hotspots for the internet for the families and for all the families and children that don't have the internet. And that's a bigger problem, I, I think, than most people realize and most people understand. And due to COVID, how many, or prior to COVID, the amount of families and youth that would go to our public library here in Springfield just to get access to the internet and access to computers to get their schoolwork done, get their research done, get their uh, writing done, it has it has impacted those families' abilities to be successful, those those children's ability to be successful. I, I wanted to say that out loud because I think that we're not always thinking on those terms. I think it's easy to think that we all have really good internet and we all have a really good printer and we all have either laptops or iPads or very advanced phones to do all the things that need to be done. And the reality is is that's not true. Yeah, absolutely correct. That's that, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And so, um, you know, you're going to have, I really enjoy your vision. I, I appreciate you sharing your vision. I appreciate your perspective, your mindset. I appreciate your, uh, the path that you've traveled. You said, I'm a professional and you are a professional. I spent 11 and a half years in the U.S. Army Infantry and I was a professional soldier. I wasn't just a soldier, right? And so I appreciate that mindset. Uh, anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up? We got about three minutes. Anything you'd like to say to, yeah, I want to remind you, I, myself being elected official now, to remember to the community that we're all volunteers and we do this out of a desire to serve. Are you prepared to put in the necessary time, effort, and energy as a volunteer to meet the demands of the position? 110%. And if just real quick, I'll give you a quick uh, little anecdote about that. I was talking to a guy at work. I was giving, telling him all about my vision and what I want to do for the school board. And he says, 
man, that's a great career opportunity for you. And I looked at him, I said, you're going to see me every day. I still got to come to work. <laughs> I'll, I'll be back here with you every day. Uh, it's not a job. I said, that's a volunteer. That's something I'm doing because I want to, I want to, and I care about it. And any last comments you'd like to make to those that you're asking to vote for you, especially the families here in Springfield? I mean, this is what it's all about. I mean, I, I was a soccer coach, a football coach, a Cub Master, Scout Master, a soccer referee. I, I've, been, I've served this city in lots of ways and lots of different positions. So the, what you're asking, why? I want you to tell me why I should vote for you. Yeah. Um, so like every, the, uh, outside of everything I've already mentioned about, you know, what, what, uh, what my platform is and what I, my goals are is that, um, is that I want to be, I want to be there for you. So anyone that's out there that has any questions for me or any concerns or what they, what their vision for the school district is, uh, you can go on Facebook, uh, Anthony Reed for Springfield School Board is the is my campaign page. I've got a, a WhatsApp on there. You can message me personally and I will get back to you um, or private message me on that page and I will respond to it. So any any questions any listeners have right now that they obviously can't ask uh, on this on this live feed, go ahead and, and hit me up on there and I will get back to you um, and we can talk more. I'd love to hear from everybody. And also, I just wanted to wanted to thank you for having me here today and thank you for your service. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We've had with us today Anthony Reed. He is on the ballot, the special election, May 18th for the Springfield School Board position three. And you have one or two other candidates are you aware of? <laughs> there's four, actually. There's four more in my race. So there's five of us total. <laughs> okay, well, there's only, I only know of two. So that's interesting to me. I had no idea. But I appreciate your time today, Anthony. I appreciate your vision and your passion. And I appreciate your willingness to serve of your own free will uh, to enhance our community. And it is our joint community and we all live here together. So my best to you in your campaign, my best to you as you uh, seek to get your message out. And we'll look forward to the end result on May 18th. And uh, we bid you Godspeed in all that you do. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Take care.